welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, who does the most, Jasmine Ellis. And again, would you believe it? I'm going to say the same damn thing I say every week. I am so excited about today's guest because I do this for me. I really do. I'm super excited. This guest is someone I met um, in the Dallas comedy scene. Super funny, so talented. You can find her all over social media, making you giggle and laugh. She's on Twitter. She's on Twitch. She's on Instagram. Give it up for Emily Landra. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Good. How are you, Jasmine? I'm good. I, for the first time, I can honestly say that. I uh, took a big old leap of faith and quit my day job. Um, which is, oh my God, could I give a more Joe Rogan bro answer? Like to focus on the podcast. No, uh, <laughs> also to focus on comedy and acting and just give it a big old shot. And you know what? If I, um, if I burn through my savings, then I will just get another job because, uh, in this capitalist world, we're replaceable, just like jobs are replaceable. And I like finally attached myself to that and realized that like, I don't have to work every minute of every day. And I'm feeling very free. Yes. So it's good. How about you? How are, what's your relationship with your work-life balance these days? Um, you know, right now I feel like it's good. Um, I've had jobs in the past where I really was like, if I give 110%, they're going to notice. Um, they never do. They don't give a shit. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, Fuck damn yes. shit. All the time. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. And the job I'm at now uh someone had been there for years and years and years left and thought they would be like oh please stay please come back and they were just like bye so i was like all right well just goes to show but uh generally things are good um trying to get my dogs used to being around people again so i can hopefully start taking them places but right now they're a real nightmare you know what? Good for you for being a responsible dog owner. Like for actually being like, hmm, I don't think my dogs would socialize in the best way. I should work on this instead of being like, I don't know what it is. I guess my dogs can just smell how bad everyone else is in the park and they just keep biting them. You know what I'm like? <laughs> yeah. We did have one time because I have I have a beagle and then I have like a German Shepherd border collie mix. And uh the first time we took the bigger dog to the park, she's so sweet, but she got overexcited and she like knocked a kid down. And we were like, whose dog is that? Our, our dog is this beagle. That could have been anybody's dog. Um, but also that kid's parents, they didn't come in with a dog. They were just like walking through the park and they were like, let's go to the big dog side of the park and let our four-year-old just mingle with every all these strangers' dogs. Like, you're lucky he didn't get bit. And now that kid's scared of dogs because I don't know. I feel strongly about it. There's a there's a kid park like two blocks down. Go to that. Oh my god! I you know what is so funny is it feels like there's because I, I, people bring their dogs absolutely everywhere in LA. Like the first week, my husband was here by himself because I was on the road, and I called him because I missed him, and he was like, "I had a rough day. I stepped in some dog shit at Vons," and I was like, "Why? What is Vons?" And he's like, "It's a grocery store." And I was like, "Why was there dog shit in the grocery store?" And he was like, "Cause there's dogs." in the grocery store. I was so confused. And it's, it's now it's a completely normal occurrence. Half the time when you see a stroller, it's a dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's, <laughs> it's not like doggy looking strollers though. These look like expensive ass nice strollers. And then the people pick the baby up and hold it, baby, hold it like a bundle. So you really cannot be sure that baby is a dog until, or that dog is a baby until it's, until you're like really looking at it. A little baby turns around, you're like, oh my God, that's a pug. 
Um, <laughs> all the time, all the time. Pugs in a stroller. I have a joke to do about that. That's so silly. Um, wow. So what a time. What a time, man. So just uh, working on your work-life balance, staying busy. So let me ask you this. We were talking about this earlier, and like you and I have like a couple year age difference. I'm 32. You said you're 29. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up, were you allowed to watch Saturday Night Live? Oh, not at all. And my parents would like reference SNL bits. Because uh, I, I told you before, I was homeschooled and like very sheltered for a long time. But so my parents mm-hmm. didn't grow up that way. And so they like joke all the time, like, oh, no, Mr. Bill. And I'd be like, well, what's that from? And I'd be like, never mind. <laughs> you and know, so- I will give your parents this. I think it's good to have that kind of like boundary as a married couple and not be like, we should monitor what we say to make sure our child is always included in the conversation. No, it's your fucking oh, kid. Are, yeah. the, are you an only child, though? No, I'm actually the oldest of seven. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. The oldest of seven. This is... Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so you had little people to play. You could have you gone and played with the other little people instead of asking about Mr. Bill. <laughs> I get, yeah, yeah. I, uh, so I the, things so, to do. So it's kind of funny. The reason why I ask about um, SNL is because, yet again, we've got another controversial SNL episode kind of streaming around the world. That's not our... Let me back it up for a second. Hold on. Flip it and reverse it. Okay. So for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time, don't know the format of the show, every episode we start with a segment called Off the Record. This is where we dig into music controversies. It can be anything from romantic relations that fell apart. See the Patrick Troy episode where we talk about uh, Fleetwood Mac. It can be um, musicians getting into legal trouble, like TLC, when Lefty Lopez decided to burn down her boyfriend's house. It can be fights within the group, money situation. We talked about Little Richard making 50 cents off of Tutti Frutti. Uh, oh, a bad contract. It's always entertaining. This week, we're talking about live music fails. And I'm going to talk to you. It came to mind for me because this week... Uh, Little Nas X. Did you see this in the news, Emily? Yes. Yes. Oh, poor sweet angel. Did you watch it when it happened or like the Little Nas X situation? No, I just saw I just saw the clip. I'm a couple episodes behind and I want to wait. I skipped the Elon Musk episode and then it's just like too much effort for me to be like, no, play the next one. Um, so it's just <laughs> sitting. There's like four episodes that who knows if I'll watch. Oh, but I did watch the Elon clip Ma- of it. I have to admit, I watched it because I was very curious. I was like, how do you work around subject matter like this? Like a, a host yes. that's just so disliked. Uh, it's not great. Uh, there is some, his opening monologue was as good as you'd expect him to be, but it's just like, I just, why give a person like that a platform? And they did it. It just wasn't great. No. And if you're going to give a person like that a platform, it should be comedically rewarding. If it, I don't know, like I've been watching The Masked Singer and they have Logan Paul on and like, I hate Logan Paul, but he did a good job on the show. And I was like, which that is the list of people on The Masked Singer that you're like, okay. Um, but at least- I still was- can't believe The Masked Singer is a show. Conceptually, I- it seems like a parody show that would exist on a TV show where they would make fun yeah. of us for watching stupid shit. No, it is- that shit insane and they just keep I just I just start I watched it one time because it was on and I was like okay it's just the levels of bat shit where they're like okay uh-oh we just got interrupted by like cuckoo the chicken and everyone's like oh cuckoo you're like what <laughs> how have I known about I this show for years and I didn't know about cuckoo the chicken it's it's bonkers but like 
they deliver on the premise. Elon Musk was not wanted and didn't deliver. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. So this week's big controversy is not my my on-the-record one. I do have one that connects to it that's even older. I know. What? What is she okay. doing? Layers, <laughs> storytelling, history. But this, what made me think about it is what happened with Lil Nas X. And we all know about Lil Nas X. And I got, went on a rant page about this on TikTok because what is bothering me is I keep hearing people being like, but what about the children? Children shouldn't watch this. I'm like, why are y'all children watching an adult program called Saturday Night Live? It's not like yeah. Lil Nas X grinded on a stripper pole with a bunch of male dancers licking his face at a children's event. Like, no. he, like you know what I mean? He's at a different He place wasn't in the Macy's premiere. Day Parade. Yes, he was at a exactly. Saturday Night Program. That's like, no, no, I'm with you. And uh, so during the performance, his pants split open, but he caught it. So you can, there's just a little, mo it's kind of funny because he was doing very sexy, like very Janet Jackson, grabbing his crotch-esque moves. And then there's this moment, you see it on his face where he's like, you, he, he knows his crotch is open and <laughs> his so mouth cute. drops a little, it's, it's actually super cute. It's super duper cute. And there are people like thinking that he did it like on purpose as a wardrobe malfunction. I will say the pants looked flimsy. They, uh, did you look at them? They had this zipper going all the way through. It didn't look sturdy. <laughs> no, no, that's just, that's a, that's a learning moment, you know? And I, I know like little Nas X is like old enough to be my nephew, so I shouldn't comment on his physique, but like, I feel like he's well endowed. Like in the uh, Call Me By Your Name video, I got the appearance that there's quite the bulge there. So like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you, if I bought a bathing suit with cups, like a brat, I would want the cup, you know what I mean? Like maybe the inside yes, of those pants 100%. should have been tailored. Like John Hamm got special pants for Mad Men. They should have had special pants for Lil Nas X. Back it up. How do you know about what? <laughs> I don't. Is I it true? Saw... I always thought those pictures were doctored. Is he really just swinging like that? I don't know for sure. I've just seen posts where they were like, "Well, they had to, they had to like make pants because he was really embarrassed about it and he didn't want people to see it." But that could just be that could just be like Tumblr. Either way, <laughs> that's beautiful. If you're, if you're his costume designer, help him out. You know, <laughs> put a fake zipper over a full piece of cloth it doesn't have to be functional that's true because the eye goes where it goes and i will say like it's a 50 show and like men wear their pants much more high waisted which i think kind of draws your eye right to the crotch yeah yeah i've been trying to get my husband in high-waisted pants uh and he will not do it i think they're so cool <laughs> like those 70s pants too won't do it you guys are such a cute couple. You had the most adorable, most Instagrammable wedding. So chic, so you. I love people who get, even though I had like the most traditional cookie cutter wedding, I love people who like really show their personality and what they wear for their wedding attire. I think that's great. Thank you. I also, I loved your wedding photos with like Alex's little white suit. I thought it was so cute. You know what's funny? And you guys, are, like, for those of you who listen to the show specifically for facts about music history, fuck you. Because um, I'm a comedian <laughs> first. So I talk about whatever I want in my life. So my husband is a white man. And when he said he was going to wear a white suit, I was like, baby, I love you and you can do anything, but you can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. White suits were invented for black men. The shit just looks smooth. It looks, when you get some chocolate skin against a white suit, it is nice. It's handsome. My father looked great like that. You can't do that. 
You're gonna you're gonna look you're gonna look ecru. You're gonna look off beige. It's not gonna be an attractive combination. Yeah. You you wouldn't you wouldn't put white and beige together. You want contrast. You know, like I was trying to explain this to him, and he was like, "I think you're just gonna have to take my word for it." And sure enough, I was wrong. He looked so good and so debonair in his white suit with the black lining. I was like, okay. And honestly, it even brought out because my dress was blush which is like a very, very, Ooh, very light shade nice. of pink. It, it's not white. But when we're, when we're in pictures together, you can tell it's blush because of the white of his suit. So I was like, you know what? Sometimes I'm wrong, Beautiful. you know? See, sometimes, sometimes men know what they're talking about. Um, if anyone ever quotes me on that, men never know what they're talking about. I, <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> I did, you didn't never hear happened. it. Never happened. So my complaint with everyone's complaining about Little Nas X is that it's a program for, it's not for children. Uh, I think the performance was absolutely appropriate. Had it been uh, a male performer with like female dancers, I think people just have a discomfort with gay overt sexuality. It's not hinted at. They're not, they're not saying they's instead of him's. He's saying him. He's singing about a man. He's a man who's attracted to men. It is overtly gay. And I think it's wonderful. Um, the wardrobe malfunction and the little look of panic in his face took me back to a beautiful time. And I'm not sure if you'll remember this or if you were even allowed to know about this as a, um, as a homeschool kid. But this was the, the, the moment heard around the world. The year is 2004. When booked to perform two songs in the show, Ashley Simpson ran through a rendition of her hit single, Pieces of Me, without a hitch. However, when the pop star returned to the stage to run through the title track of her debut album, Autobiography, things took a turn for the worst. While the band began play of the song, the vocals for the first track began to play and Simpson paused in horror. The lip-syncing plot had collapsed. Clearly panicking, Simpson looked around at the band when the microphone held by her side with the vocals beating out unnervingly loud. After pulling off a series of improvised dance moves, I'll never forget this, y'all. She did this move that was like, okay, if you want to imagine it, take your hands, make two fists like you're about to chicken dance, and then pull them down by your knees, and then back up, and then down by your knees, and then back up. <laughs> I call it the washing board. Like, it, like <laughs> this is a little dance she did. This little country uh, twangy, but that, like, I don't know. This is just another moment of, of I, I God, I love talking about Texans on this show. I, like, I don't know, the best musicians are from Texas, and we have the best moments, because this was wild. Clearly, um, after pulling off a series of improvised dance moves, she walks off the stage, and producers cut the performance and head to commercial. Returning at the end of the show alongside host Jude Law, Simpson passed off blame onto her band, said, I feel so bad, she said to the camera, my band started playing the wrong song, and I didn't know what to do, so I thought I'd be a hoedown. I'm sorry, it's live TV, things happen. Girl! Your band started playing your backing track through the microphone. What a liar. What a liar. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, my band surprised me with the full track of me lip syncing. <laughs> and it wasn't a surprise I wanted. Can you believe it? Those pranksters. Oh my God. What a bitch ass move. See, that's the difference between yes. like if they were a band, but it was Ashley Simpson's band, as in her employees. What do employers do to their employees? Shit on them. Every chance they get. Uh -huh. All right. Right this under is the, the same bus. thing happening in America. If you know, you walk into a freaking red, uh, like a Long John Silver's, and there's a sign on the wall that says, Nobody wants to work. Sorry, your food's taking so long. They always want to put the blame on somebody else. I was just gonna say it feels like when I worked in restaurants, I'd be I'd been working at a place for like three years. And if something went wrong, it was like, I'm so sorry, it's my first day. You know, like it's a blatant lie. And it's just yeah. meant to make people be a little bit nicer to you. Like there's been a yeah. lot of lip syncing controversies. We just talked about Millie Vanilli like two episodes ago. But there's better ways to handle it. Like I would have said some shit about 
Um, it's cold in here. My vocals get tight. I have laryngitis. We, you know, made the decision to do the lip sync because we didn't have enough time for rehearsal. Something. Yeah. Something. And, and something it just... where it's your fault. You're always going to look better. You're always going to look classier. If you say everyone else did a great job, this was my decision, you know, but yeah, I think this effectively began the end of her career. Do you remember like the Ashley Simpson like moments? I feel like, uh, I feel like she was like, right as I entered pop culture, she was on her way out. I remember seeing like some pictures of her in like People magazine. And then all of a sudden she was gone. But I didn't have the background to be like, oh, that's who that is. They were like, well, she's Jessica Simpson's sister. And I was like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> I don't know a thing. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So you missed out on like newlyweds and chicken of the sea and all of that. And uh, do Buffalo have wings? Like all of just Jennifer, like not Jennifer, Jessica Simpson's moments. Do you just know yes. her as the shoe lady? I just know her. Um, I feel like I knew her for being like horribly body shamed. People like right when I came, I think right when I started being aware of everyone was like, look at how fat Jessica Simpson got. And I felt like she and I had like very similar body types. And I was like, yeah, look at her big. Look at that. That's bad. I'm not going to think about that at all. You know, and looking back, you're like, she's tiny. I think this and then is I, screwing with me mentally. Like long-term yes! shit is going to stick <laughs> with me. <laughs> yes. Just like, oh my God. 2000s body shaming was so wild because we'd be like, it, and what it was that was so fucking creepy is I feel like, and this is one thing I love about Gen Z is Gen Z stands up for their childhood. They say you're criticizing an 18 year old in your 50. They say that yes. you're, you're looking at an 18 year old's body and judging it by the standards that you used to look at it and lust after it when they were 14. You're gross. Whereas when we were millennials, you know, as millennials, when we were younger, we grew up where disc jockeys could talk about the Olsen twins and have a countdown clock for when they were old enough to fuck. It was gross so like grown men were vocally making it very clear that they preferred these small prepubescent bodies and then as soon as yeah. britney had a kid as soon as christina came into her curviness as soon as every one of these people they were teen stars and they air quotes got fat by getting old and a bunch of grown fat adults were saying ew you're gross and yeah. i say i don't fat have to look at you I anymore Yes. And I say fat, by the way, y'all, I use the word fat very openly. I'm a size 16. I think it's, it's, I think it has as much power as saying that my hair is curly and my skin is brown. It's only negative. If you want to perceive it as negative, I'm very proud of all of those things. So I use the word fat as an adjective, not as an insult. So if you're uncomfortable with that, I think you're uncomfortable with fat and that's okay. I think everyone's uncomfortable with fat though. Cause it's something that can happen to all of us, you know? Yeah. It's an equalizer. Like you're not going to turn around and become, uh, you're not going to lose your white privilege overnight, but you could lose your thin privilege like that. I mean, we yeah. saw it happen this year. Everybody gained the same 10 to 15 pounds and lost their minds. Yeah, well, because people look around and see how fat people are treated and how they're not given the same, like, I don't know, leeway. I don't want to go too much into it. I just, like... Go for it. Yeah, I... When, uh, when I was in college, I joined our, like, cross country team and I went from being like a size 10 12 down to like a six pushing a four and the way mm -hmm. people 
changed the way they treated me was insane. I, people just got out of my way when I wanted to go places. People were super nice and accommodating. People were like giving me free shit all the time, you know, and I was still the same person and people who I could tell would have been shitty to me, like at the size I was before, which is basically the size I am now, were suddenly super nice to me. And I just, mm. I don't know. I was just like, okay, that's cool. And so I think people have a sense of that. And instead of being like, well, we should treat everyone with equity and kindness. They're like, well, that sucks for everyone but me. And it's not going to be me. And I'm going to ruin my life making sure it's not me. Damn. Damn, that's so shit. That's so weird and shitty. I will say it is kind of the irony of life that I feel like people who were bigger in high school and gain and like kind of maintain the same size their lives seem to be like happier I find and like yes. they're better dressers and more put together whereas like the ones who were like obsessed with being skinny and then got fat anyway sorry yes. this is not funny no but it's like it they is. always just they kind of look like they don't know how to dress and they're just like oh my god I just got this fat I don't know what to do with it <laughs> like, because they think it's, it's like, gonna go away nice to me. like this is just for a stop. second why do I have to get clothes that look nice on me now because then I have to admit mm -hmm. that this is how I look now it's Anyways, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of thoughts and that is not this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. This, here's the thing is, is this is the Jasmine Ellis podcast. I do what I want to do. Um, like, it's okay. <laughs> if anybody who follows me was a fan of Extra Salty, the whole point of that show was resentment. And we had whole episodes talking about whatever we wanted. So we have fun. Um, but I think you're making some fantastic points. Taking it back to Ashley Simpson, she was still body shamed for a lot of specific things about her. And most of it, and this is what was terrible, is it was like, the 2000s were very funny when it came to sister musician duos. What would happen is the first musician in the family, the older sister, would be the architect of the American, I call it the great white hope. Music was getting a little too R&B-ish, you know, Destiny's Child was chopping the charts and they were like, we need the whitest white girl we can get. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yes, let's do it. Can she sing? Doesn't matter belly button out let's go <laughs> like and Je Jessica Simpson can sing by the way I just think she had yeah. some some tracks that weren't produced the best for her vocal range and she was doing a lot of growling on her songs do you have you ever heard a Jessica Simpson song or no I heard her cover of um oh I can't think of what it is I mean I, it was a song that I didn't think she had oh um you spin me around I think she did a cover of that and I thought this is gonna be terrible and then I was just like I, I enjoy it um, but also, as you'll see when we get to my playlist, I don't have good taste in music. So uh, that could be, uh, that could just be me. <laughs> you like what you like. And I, I, um, I, you like what you like. That is so funny. So I feel like what was happening is you had your Jessica Simpson, your Hillary Duff, there was that kind of thing. And then what happens is they go, we're making money off of this. Let's get a second one, but this time make it edgy. And I'm not saying Ashley Simpson was not like a rock musician. <laughs> But I do think that, like, you know, her dyeing her hair jet black and, like, the show about her life and, like, it was very much calculated. And they were like, ooh, this was a hit, time for a sequel. And so what they do is they have this whole thing where they hire, the, you know, like, a ha Ashley Simpson comes out and her whole thing is how different she needs to be from her sister. Like, she's that I think Solange went through it for so long. Every interview was like, what's it like to be Beyonce's sister? Da, da, da. And she was... I think what happened was that Solange just like took a break, came back and did whatever she wanted. Stuff that sounded like it would not be a commercial success at all. And 
it's so good because it's just so her like it's it's absolutely a different vibe yes yeah very it's absolutely a different vibe so taking it back to Ashley Simpson though is like what was really funny is as you see her career start to wane all way she goes back to blonde hair she gets a nose job she starts looking more and more like her sister and then becomes less and less famous instead of leading into what made her famous which was just like I mean it was genius it was hey you if you're the emo middle child and your popular big sister gets on your nerves, here's Ashley. You know what I mean? I know yeah. when something's being sold Ashley to me. Ashley gets it. Ashley gets yeah. it. Ashley lives it. Um, so taking it back to the situation, because I just, her response was so bad. Do you, oh my God, do you remember at the Orange Bowl when she got booed? I remember, he, I, I've seen videos of it, but I don't, I don't think I remember it live. Like, Yes, and this is God. not the dump on Ashley Simpson podcast. I promise that wasn't the point of this. But the controversy surrounding it, I just remember the whole world buzzing about the same thing at once, which was great. Um, when later interviews, she said, the total situation was a bummer. I made a complete fool of myself. So at least she took some responsibility later. She said, with the media for not slowing down, the singer then took her official website to admit to lip syncing. She said, I can't cancel something like SNL. Simpson apparently wrote, you and I know that even if I synced it or not, I'd still be seen by millions, maybe even a few more fans. A few more fans. I'll hold my head high and say, I think it was silly of me to do. Silly of me to blame the band. I was just so fucking embarrassed, but I don't think he did me much harm and people will see that soon. I don't think it did me much harm and people will see that soon. Ooh, girl. (laughs) Morgan Freeman voice, it did much harm. (laughs) (laughs) We did not see it. Years later, Simpson was able to move on from the incident, and while being interviewed with by E, she said, it's definitely not difficult to talk about. That was a very long time ago. It's something that happened to me, and things in life happen, and they make you stronger. They make you a better performer and a better person. I think things like that build your character and your strength, and it's how you handle them that matters. She added, I was a teen, an angsty girl on my show back in the day, and now I'm a woman and a mother. I want people to know where I'm at and who I am in life. All right. So I totally get where she's coming from with that. And I think that's great that she can like, I think it's so great that she took responsibility and apologized. I do think that maybe we as a culture were a little harsh, you know, I think we just kind of took her reaction to that moment, felt like she lied to us because two weeks later was the Rose Bowl thing and they booed her. However, vocally, vocally, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so sorry, y'all. I just downloaded Slack. But yeah, so that's going to wrap up our off the record segment. Um, Our thoughts on that uh, for the day would be that Ashley Simpson made her mark. She had some great hits. She was a lot of fun. And she had a bad moment and didn't take it the best. But I also stand by my belief that SNL is the most poorly run live music venue in the world. Oh my God. It's, it feels yes. like it's set up to destroy people's careers so that they stay in the news for a week. Yeah, it feels, it, I don't know, I work for an AV company. It, mm-hmm. the, what we put together in a day for a venue is, I feel like, a better quality than what SNL has as their standing set. No one's touching that. It's not well lit. The acoustics aren't good. They could have better cameras. They could, it's just, yeah I, yeah. I feel like you could give me a technical answer why it's shit and I can give it an emotional answer why it's shit. It feels like shit. <laughs> like, it feels like, it feels like a trap looks- to make look- people look bad. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. All right. So our next segment of the episode is called Soundtrack of Your Life. Now, this is the moment where I give you the stage, Emily. You are going to tell me about your songs starting, if, do you want to do them in ascending order or descending order today? 
Um, ascending, I believe. Ascending. Yes. Okay. Alrighty. So we're going to go five to one. Is that correct? Or is that one to five? I'm so stupid. One, I think I, I want to go one to five, whichever one that was. I had to think about it too. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then I like tried to go back and forth on what to send you. Cause I almost sent you like, here's the songs that like changed the way I saw music, but those don't reflect me anymore. And I was like, I don't want to make people listen to them cause they're not good. Um, <laughs> so I just went straight with songs that I feel like represent me. I love that. I love, um, it's so funny because people get so self-conscious about this question. It is, it is one of those things that really makes you think about who you are. And sometimes the distinction of like who you want to present yourself as versus what you actually bang in the car are two different things. Yes. <laughs> this is very intimate this is a very intimate question and it's kind of the whole premise of this thing is it's you know how like you know how naked it feels when you put your shit on shuffle and it for real shuffles yes it's like like, uh, oh no oh no not the legally blonde soundtrack after this beyonce song no (laughs) not the one hannah montana song that i enjoy (laughs) which one is it i gotta know it's nobody's perfect wait yeah no it is i was gonna say there might be more than one but that's the perfect you gotta work it it. yeah (laughs) it's just i don't know it's fun (laughs) like triple check that my headphones are in (laughs) um i think my favorite hannah montana song is just the ooh that she does between scenes on hannah montana (laughs) just the yeah yeah Yeah. It's just her and Emily Osment hugging sadly. Yeah, oh. just that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man, oh man. Okay, so take me, take me on a journey. Tell me about your number one song. All right, so my number one song, I believe, is "Lay All Your Love on Me" by ABBA. Yes, which is ABBA is my favorite band. I I really only got into like seriously into them maybe four years ago maybe four years ago um make sure i'm looking at this right yeah um they just put me in a good mood that's all i love a lot of their songs but that's my go-to like karaoke song also um because it's just a lot of slow long notes so i feel like i i can't do like modern pop very well because it's a lot of like runs or like quick I'm just not good at that. Um, and the point of karaoke, as everyone knows, is to be technically perfect and have no fun at all. So, <laughs> I saw a tweet yesterday that cracked me up. It was like, I hate when bitches who can sing show up at karaoke and start doing Whitney. It's like, why don't you get a record deal with your goofy ass? We're here to have fun. <laughs> and yeah. it's so funny because I have been on both sides of that. I have been accused of being like a good singer who's trying to get attention. And then I've been like, if this bitch don't get out of here with these Mariah high notes. Yeah. And then sometimes like, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, you're doing great. And it's so great. And then sometimes you're just like, all right. I, did you realize this was a six minute song? Because we're all aware now, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I like lay all your love on me. Uh, it's, I don't know, the, the words are nice too. It's just talking about like, she, it's just like this girl that used to be really like carefree and like, didn't worry about things. She says like smoking was her only vice. Like that's the only thing that, you know, and now she's just like every woman she sees is a potential threat, which I don't feel that way, but I know that feeling of suddenly being like, why do I care so much about this person? All of a sudden I didn't care Mm -hmm. about anything. 
you know and it's just it's just a nice it's just fun i like it it's a nice song it's a very fun song this is one of the my favorites on your list i did get a little peeky peek uh one of my Ooh. favorites on your list i think it's great um i have two questions for you so your yeah. parents weren't abba fans they didn't like put that on you or you kind of self-discovered it yeah self self-discovered i mean like obviously i'd heard like dancing queen and i think there's a song that I can't think of what it is, but there's a song that samples Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. So I'd heard that like, da 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 It's Madonna's, Madonna has a song that samples that. Uh, yes, you're right. It is and Madonna. And it's uh, Man After Me, Gimme, 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 a Man After Midnight. And then um, it was huge in like 2005-ish, like inescapable. And it was a Madonna song that sampled it. That was everywhere. Oh, I can't think of what it is. It's. I'm, I'm, I hope someone listening to this is screaming the name of this Madonna song right now at us. I hope so. Me Text too. it to me if you're listening to this and you know it because I don't know if I'll guess it before you hear it. Uh, hung up. Waiting for oh, your hung call, up. baby. Yes, night and day. I'm hung I'm up. Hung up. Hanging up on you. Yeah. What a, what a bop. Like time goes <laughs> by. Okay. That. Oh. Whew. Wow. Now I have to listen to that. Isn't that so funny how it, it feels like reaching an itch? Like when you yeah. are thinking of a song and you, it feels like, ah, ah, ugh, I can get it. And it feels yeah, so good when you release it. And it doesn't feel as good if you look it up. Like remembering it, that little spark, you're just like, yes, I'm a genius. Like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel better when you remember it on your own. I'm, I'm like that too, where I remember one time I was talking to one of my friends and we were talking about a restaurant in Arlington that we loved, that when we were kids, that's no longer exists. And I swear to God that, 48 hours later, two days later, I called her on the phone and I was like, ponchos. And she was like, bitch, yes. <laughs> it just hit me as I was in a very relaxed, almost asleep state. My brain was like, yeah. raise the flag. <laughs> yeah, ponchos, raise the flag. It's just great oh. when you when you remember something yourself. So that was my first question. My second question is, as someone who likes ABBA, what are your thoughts on Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2? What are your thoughts? So... I love Mamma Mia. Um, I haven't seen Mamma Mia 2. I I keep meaning to. I, I should. Um, I love Cher's complete ABBA cover, covers album. Um, and I, I like, you know, I think she's doing it a different way. And I like when people are do covers of songs in their own, not not trying too hard to be different, but not trying so hard to be like exactly the same where she was like, I'm gonna sing this in the same style, but it's gonna be my voice and my tones. Uh, no, I just love Meryl Streep in overalls. Um, if I could just have a three hour movie of her just hair in the wind and overalls, just like building things, hanging out, telling her friends, I'm too old for love. Like that's, <laughs> and also I like, my other favorite ABBA song is Does Your Mother Know? And I feel like they use that song really well in Mamma Mia. Oh, see, that's amazing. Mamma Mia was actually one of the first musicals I saw live. And I had never even heard of ABBA. Oh, I just had a cool. friend whose mom oh, had tickets. God. to Right? Can you what imagine an experience. ABBA that way? I think I had maybe heard Dancing Queen once. And then I was yeah. like, this is amazing. And then I saw the movie. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought the yeah, movie I'm wasn't sure. as good. I mean, it's not going to be as good as a stage show. Channel at my grandma's house, and the A-teens cover of Dancing Queen came on. 
And then my mom and I were in a Joanne's Fabrics and Dancing Queen came on and I started singing along. She was like, how do you know this song? Where have you been? And I was like, I don't think I was at grandma's house. I don't know. <laughs> so, so aggressively not. So what you to listen to as a kid? Um, Christian music and country music. Um, exclusively. Exclusively. And not even like the mainstream country or Christian music. A lot of stuff that you had to get on a cassette like from a special catalog. So it'd be like children singing like as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You wow. might find yourself asking, are you guys close? <laughs> and the answer is no. <laughs> oh, so, so you're not close to your super Christian conservative parents anymore? Not so much? They've they've eased up a lot and I, we still get along, but I don't really seek out their company that is, you know I, I'm, I'm not gonna say like i understand because they deprived you of the 18s but like <laughs> <laughs> that's that exactly was it. dancing queen was from yeah. the 18s so for those of you listening who uh don't know uh either you're too young you're too old or you were just enjoying the rest of your life 18s was a swedish pop music group from stockholm sweden formed by nicholas berg in 1998 as an abba tribute band and that's what the a and 18 stands for and their biggest hits were um dancing queen and um i remember they kind of ventured out into other things like they did a cover of i can't help falling in love with you by Elvis and yeah. they had they they were like them and Disney were a magical combination Disney had a hold on them or they had a hold on Disney and so every Disney movie from like from like 2001 to 2006 they had a song on the soundtrack so they were just embedded in that when I was a uh, if, if my parents had anything for me it was cable so I was watching a lot of television <laughs> I have so many more re- like I I watched too much TV. Like I watched so much TV. I knew every commercial of every show, but like, I, I, I can't tell you what Pythagorean theory is. I didn't learn no. that shit. <laughs> One time me and me and Dylan, my husband were watching, there's like a, a YouTube video that was like, can you guess these cartoon theme songs? Um, and there was one for the nineties and he got every single one. I got three. He was like, how do you not know Ren and Stimpy? And I'm like, okay, you think I was allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy? (laughs) I don't think they were very polite to the adults in the show. And that's, you know, we got to watch out for that. So. uh, (laughs) Ren and Stimpy was kind of gross. I don't blame your parents for not. I think my mom saw an episode of that and was like, turn it off. (laughs) Yeah, no, like looking back, I'm like, that's, that's not, that's not surprising. That's understandable. I think I feel like that's an understandable thing. Yeah, I could dive into like why children's cartoons have made us as a culture so weird because there definitely was a whole show about a cow and a chicken who ate butts. And then yeah, we have a whole generation of people who eat ass. I'm, you know what I mean? Connect the dots, red string. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Now I just watch modern cartoons Mm -hmm. where everyone's super sweet to each other and learns life lessons. Yes. And I just cried. And I cried. Oh, oh my God. Yes. <clears throat> also, I have many. I just started, I just watched all of the Owl House and that was very cute. Oh. Somebody's Bye, which is fun. That is cool. See, I didn't have anything like that growing up. All right. No. So our first song was Lay on Your Love on Me by ABBA. What, yes. What's next uh, for us? What's next? Um, Breathing by Ariana Grande. Um, Ooh, I know that also, one. Yeah. I also just, I love Ariana Grande. 
so much. Um, I also separately love Pete Davidson. And when they were dating, it was almost too much for me. So I was like, life can't stay this good. And I was right. Uh, it just, it can't. Um, but I like this song because it's, it's about like having like anxiety and like panic attacks. And uh, that's something I struggle with a lot. Um, and it's nice to know that, I don't know, someone who's achieved the levels of success that she has um, still has the same kind of struggles. And it also kind of helps me, I don't know, live as cheesy as it sounds, don't forget, take your deep breaths. Maybe I can even just put the song on and it, because it's so familiar, it kind of like helps center me. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, and it's just, a, it's a beautiful song. She does so much of her own production. Like, I just think she's very talented. I completely agree. And I think it's so great what you're saying about artists talking about mental health and for someone at such a high platform like Ariana Grande to admit that she's going through these things and experiencing it. A lot of people feel that Breathe In didn't get the attention it should have because I want to say yes. there was like another song by her that came out like really close to it. I want to say it was like, it was, it was this little package. Probably God like, is a Woman, right? Yes, I think God is a Woman. And then there was another one like right after that, that was a lot dangerous woman. It was just like track after track. And I think Breathe yeah, In just oh, kind of I mean, got that lost whole, in the mix. That whole album is just like hit after hit. Also, there's a song on there called um, Blaze that she did with Pharrell Williams that I think should have been a, like a big, big hit. It's so good. It almost feels like the, like there was a little period where I felt like she was releasing music super duper fast. And I think it was because yeah. like maybe to help us forget about Pete Davidson. You know what I mean? Like just to like, yeah, like I feel like to further. help us forget, help her forget a little bit. She was just like, I don't know, staying up all night. Yeah, the relationship was too, like, you know, it was only two years ago, but because it was two albums ago, it feels so long ago. Yeah, it feels and now like, she's why are married you bringing to a, a realtor, and I think it's nice. <laughs> They're married, right? Didn't they already get married? Yeah, they just got married, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see her wedding. I'm not going to lie. I'm so obsessed with weddings that I always feel slightly slighted when a celebrity doesn't release their wedding photos. Like, I remember feeling yes. very like, how dare you, Beyonce? You owe this to me. And I had to wait like 10 years to see her in a wedding dress. Like, it feels like, okay, I hate to, you know, you know that dumb meme where it's like the little communist dog and he's like, Tenemos. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just people, it's like a meme where I'll be like, you'll be like, I have, I, ha I have a cake or something. And, and the, the dog's down there with a the little communist sign. He's like, Tenemos. <laughs> Like it's all what does that mean? Comrades. Like we have a cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean we have a cake? Yeah. So that's just like it's it's our wedding. <laughs> feels like to me. No, this is for like, us. Yeah, that is How dare you leave me out of my own wedding? <laughs> that culture of celebrity will do that to you. Breathing is a fantastic song, talking more about mental health and anxiety. You're saying that it like helps you feel a little bit more like centered. Um, what are some other tactics, like other things that have helped you help manage your anxiety? Is it listening to music? Is it like, what, what helps you? Um, what I used to do as a kid a lot, and I still will do it, um, is if I'm getting really stressed out or like if the environment I'm in is very stressful and I can feel it starting to like make me want to like really tense up, I'll just go out and go for a walk. Um, cell phones have helped a ton. Um, if I'm getting really stressed out, I'm just on my phone because I feel like it kind of helps me like, uh, it's like a little bit of escapism, I guess. 
mm-hmm. where you're like, if I have to be physically here, I don't have to be like mentally here. Who knows if that's healthy? That's for my therapist to decide. But I, uh, the, I think the big thing for me is that I, I've had panic attacks since I can remember, but I didn't know that that's what they were. I just thought I was like stressed out or having a like a bad day or like. I don't know, because a lot of it would center around like church type of stuff. I thought I was like being like a bad Christian. And this isn't any stuff I told my parents. I think if I had told them this, they would have been like, that sounds like a panic attack. Let's take you to the doctor, you know, because they've been Mm. really great about mental illness stuff with my other siblings, you know, but I was just like, nope, that's just for me to lie awake and think about, you know, so recognizing that that's what's happening and that, you know, like, I don't know, just like the the regular things that people recommend of just like taking deep breaths. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I ha- taste? What can I touch? You know, physically moving to a different level. Just sort of up that like cyclical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, just even like... Uh, like a room spray or lighting a candle. I started doing that. Um, If I'm feeling like really stuck with what's going on, like changing what I'm experiencing and with that sense helps kind of go, okay, maybe like move me in a new direction, I guess. Very cool. That is, thank you so much for sharing that. I know there are so many people who are dealing with mental illness and don't have the resources or even know where to start or even know what these things sound and look like. So just being more open with it, I think is such a beautiful thing. I think that's great. And I I joke about, you know, how this new generation is so comfortable talking about mental health. It scares me. I'm like, y'all rep your medication like it's your astrological sign. Like who's a Lipitor? (laughs) Right, it's not Lipitor. (laughs) 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 Lipitor is a cholesterol medicine. Viagra's rise up. <laughs> well, butrid rising is the way I tell the joke. But like, <laughs> we're comfortable now talking about the medicine side of it, but like what you experience on a day to day. And I think it's just so great. That Ariana Grande, such a young person with such a young audience was like, I'm going through something. This is hard. Yeah. Here's how I, you know, get through it. And, you know, um, likewise with Pete Davidson as a comedian, he's been so open about his troubles, his troubles with mental health and the things he's going through. Although I have so many, again, with the whole we thing with celebrities don't belong to us. I know they don't. I know they don't. I felt some kind of way when it was announced that uh, John Mulaney and his wife split up. I felt, did you feel some kind of way? (laughs) I did. I just, the thing that got me was the difference in their statements where John was like, John, John's rep put out a statement that said John is focusing on his healing and his recovery. And I was like, great. And then Anna Marie's rep put out a statement that said, I'm heartbroken that John has decided to end our marriage. And I was like, oh God. So that I was, I don't know. I, I, of course they are happy. I did see a tweet that made me laugh. I was like, I don't feel like it was wrong for them to split up. I don't feel like they've personally wronged me. It did, but it did make me sad. Mm-hmm. But I did, I saw a tweet that made me laugh where everyone was like, or someone said, everyone's saying that John Mulaney is being a typical comedian by leaving his wife for Olivia Munn needs to re- remember that if he was a typical comedian, he would be leaving his le- wife for Olivia Rodrigo. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. They're the same age, at least. They are uh, the same age. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are. And like relationships change. And I think that kind of speaks to this thing too, where like we we have this thing where when we see a nice guy with a girl and not saying um, um, his wife is not beautiful. She is, but she is not famous and yeah. she's not doctored up. So I think the rest of us kind of look at her in the sense of like, I could be her. I'm like her. I'm supportive yeah. and funny and nice. I deserve a nice guy. And a rich one. You know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, a little bit. A little bit of that. Just, and yeah. to see him leave her for another celebrity kind of feels like a slap in the face. Like, we oh, thought you were cool. We thought you were the type. Because who doesn't? Yeah. We all dream about that that moment of like, you know, God, I feel like there were too many movies in the 2000s where a pop star would be like, I just want to date a regular girl. And so yeah. we're like, he noticed me. <laughs> it's me. so we were all I think we were too invested and also like you know a whole year of not living our own lives and like watching some famous people live our lives it made us overly invested but I it makes me think about Pete I'm like but was it a Pete Davidson influence if he was like you be single that was my first thought I thought Pete did this and I was like no that's not fair (laughs) (laughs) totally not fair totally not fair but it was like you know he made this new friend and like you know Pete is younger than John is like oh you're just trying to run around with your young friends he's single so you want to be single when I saw he was with Olivia Munn I was like oh never mind no I get it yeah yeah I get it <laughs> strong and man opinion. she so just seems so opinions. cool but like in a different way like a different a different type of cool like i would yeah. still want to be friends with both of them like just in just my i would have my nice friend and my scary friend you know <laughs> you know, olivia munn comes off kind of scary yeah like in a fun way but um you know usually i'm the i'm the scarier friend for my friends where i'm like who's being mean to you and i'll go yell at them she she does give back she like, does give off the vibes of someone who sends food back when it's wrong but you know what her food was wrong you know it's <laughs> like she's not yelling yeah she just and she'll tip she was like she'll she'll tip really well but she's gonna get what she ordered i think that's what happens when hot people have dark eyebrows uh, if a hot people yeah. with dark eyebrows, that particular combination, I think we see it as like it's it's the Snow White. You know how Snow White barely has fucking eyebrows. It's like Snow White versus the Evil Queen. Both hotties, both baddies, but yeah. Snow White just looked a little softer. You know what I mean? A little a little less intimidating. A and round, little round it? hair. Yeah. Yeah, people love that, like a round hairstyle, a round face. All right, so taking it back into your list, I, I have, I do, we've got a million miles in other directions, but that's why I do this. I know, I'm fun. sorry. Do not apologize. No, if anything, you can, uh, <laughs> don't apologize ever for anything. That is the Jasmine Ellis motto. <laughs> Thank so. you. That's what I'm taking from this. <laughs> Jasmine said uh, I don't no. have to. Uh, so number three, give me your number three song. So number three um, is The Riddle by Nick Kershaw, which is, um, we couldn't find a way to work it into our wedding, but this is really me and Dylan's song. It's the dumbest song in the world. This origin story of this song. Okay, so if you haven't listened to it, it's just nonsense lyrics, right? So what happened with this song was, this guy, Nick Kershaw, was making a new album and his producer was like, all right, you've given us like all these great songs, but none of them are hits. Can you write? We just need a hit. And he was like, fine, fuck you guys. He just went into his room, wrote this complete and utter babble, and it was a huge hit. He was just like, here, you want a hit? Here, it's nothing. 
and that's the one that took off uh yeah it's just like and the song itself is like near a tree by a river there's a hole in the ground it's so it's nothing it means nothing i love it It, it'll put you in a good mood every time walk me through when you first like when did you first hear this song like did you grow up thinking it had some deeper meaning and then found out that he just wrote it as kind of a fuck you like uh so um actually that was dylan dylan is huge into music i'm more of a i'm more of a book dork he's more of a music dork so uh i think i heard this song like on one of my spotify recommended songs playlist and i was like this is so funny and i played it i was like dylan listen to this and he was like oh my god that's the riddle it's the funniest backstory so he just knew it off the top of his head so again not a verifiable source but um i feel like it's true dylan hasn't steered me wrong yet but i don't know any of his other music uh I've never heard another song by this guy. I one of my favorite subgenres of music is songs that artists wrote to piss off their labels. Uh, anytime yeah. <laughs> songs about songs, like Sarah Bareilles' love song, it's not a love song. It's a song about not wanting to write a love song. Uh, yes. You got Natasha Bedingfield, not unwritten. The other one, Red Siren, Belly and Key, turning it over, a hip hop beat. These words, there we go. These words. Ah, <laughs> <Another song. laughs> Oh man, if you don't like me singing, you gotta go. Uh, these were, I love songs about, so like uh, for you as a person, it just, does it come from a rebellious streak? Does it come from a, you know, I, 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 I'm a badass former homeschool kid and I'll do what I want to do. Here's a riddle, mom and dad. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I wish it was that cool. Um, I just, it just makes me happy. And uh, I, I'll make up hand motions to the song to just get, get Dylan to laugh while it's playing uh like we're in like church camp singing like our god is an awesome god you know but just like acting like I'm teaching like a choir of kids it's just it just it makes me think of Dylan uh it's it's not a very romantic couple song but it's the song that makes me think of him even though we live together and we've not seen anyone else for a year and a half Oh, so, so it's just kind of, it represents the relationship you have with him, which is a little silly, a little nonsense. It's your own thing. That is the yeah. best couple songs are songs that aren't necessarily love songs and don't really, they shouldn't be love songs. That's cute. That's really adorable. I love that. So you guys, you didn't incorporate it into your wedding though, did you? No, we couldn't. Tonally, it didn't really match what we were up to, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the- we we good tried. For, good for you for thinking about the tone. <laughs> would you just yeah. say, I'm sorry? <laughs> it would have just been just, we thought about just being like, screw you guys and just playing that and just being like, I was like, no, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> These people have braved a pandemic to sit far away from other strangers. We're not going to make them watch us throw our bodies around to the riddle by Nick Kershaw on top of that. So this particular song is kind of out there. Like I'm not familiar with it. How did it relate to your like relationship? Like how did you and your husband decide this is us? What, like what does this have to do with you guys the couple? <laughs> uh super good question. Uh we I don't know, we had been it came up on a playlist that we were listening to and Dylan knew this whole extended backstory of it. And it's just such a dumb backstory on top of being such a dumb song and it's so but it's so it's so fun and i'll like i don't know i make up hand motions to the song to just get dylan to laugh and it just (laughs) it just brings up the mood every time we're hanging out 
you know, or if we're doing something. And so when I hear it separately, like if I'm by myself or I play it, it just brings me back to that like warm feeling of sitting in our patio chairs in front of my house, drinking a beer, just not, no, no worries for, you know, a couple minutes. So, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't find a way to work it into the wedding, but, uh, it's still just a sweet, uh, this, a sweet, once again, incredibly dumb song, but I do love it. <laughs> I would love to send this to Nick Kershaw and be like, I just want you to know that that stupid song you wrote is loved because people know it's stupid. They're, they're in on this. They tell him <laughs> no, if and- he, <laughs> We love you, Nick. <laughs> Nick Kershaw, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, uh, yes, it's just. I like what you said about um, keeping the tone of your wedding, because sometimes people play songs at weddings that are so not wedding songs. Like one of the most popular first dance songs, I looked this up, is The Police, I'll Be Watching You. That is about a government controlling its citizens. It has nothing to do with love. It was like, it was like the number one wedding first dance song in like 1990 something. I can look this up, but like. Oh my God. Also, if it was about love, that's not a healthy love. Yeah. That's your Can't being you see stopped. you belong to me? <laughs> yes. Every step you take, every move you make, get a hobby. I can't be around you that much. <laughs> yeah creepy very creepy and this is before the social media so if you wanted to stalk your partner you just had to actually be there you didn't have yeah. to be on your phone you were at their office missing your own job trying to see who they were <laughs> talking to <laughs> i can't believe you won't even love me and i got fired for you nobody asked you to nobody asked you to <laughs> I, it sounds like you and your partner have such a uh, a, a great fun balancing goofy relationship which I think is so great I'm a highly anxious person myself too and like my husband is the one person who's just kind of in my bubble and gets to see me in a way that other people don't and it's it's yeah. just, it's a beautiful feeling where you can just like let your guard down and be silly with someone it's a good feeling yeah like when we first started dating I like I I not to I don't know I self I self-categorize as very very weird which a lot of people do and I feel like the public presenting persona that I have is like what I consider to be the acceptable amount of weird, which maybe even is more than other people would be comfortable with. But like, I feel like, yeah, once Dylan and I started dating, I started like, okay, this is actually how weird I am. This is actually what it's actually. So earlier you were talking yeah, about um, being a person who deals with anxiety and panic attacks. And it sounds like your relationship with your partner is so fun. Like he gets to see a really fun part of yourself is, is that's not a question. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that fun? <laughs> it sure is fun. As a person with anxiety, how does, how does having a partner who really understands you shape your life? I mean, it's, it's made a huge difference for me. Just like, I feel like both, personally and creatively um because I feel like there were a lot of like I guess sharp corners of my personality that I kept having either having to or choosing to like shave off in a lot of my personal friendships and relationships uh and I feel like every time 
when we first started dating, every time I let one of those things start a show or was just got goofier or harder to be around in ways that people have been like, oh, well, you're, you can't be, I can't be around you when you're like this. Dylan was just like, huh? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> we, we had a really nice moment when we, we moved to, we moved in together super fast. We started dating in July of 2017 and we were living together, um, by October, I think, or December. And I have never lived, that's the only person I've lived with. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know. We just were like, yeah, all right. Uh, but we both have dated very controlling people in the past. And so one time we had gotten invited to a house party and we were, we hadn't been living together super long. And I was like, well, I think I, I want to go. And he was like, oh, I don't want to go. And we both were like, oh, in our minds, we're like, this is going to be such a huge fight because he had dated people who were like, you have to go with me. And I dated people who were like, well, you can't go without me because you'll cheat on me, which hell. Oh. Uh, and so I was like, well, maybe I could just go by myself. And he was like, you don't care if I stay home? I was like, no, you don't care if I go by myself? He's like, no. We're both like, ah, oh my God, great. So I do a bunch of shit by myself and he oh. stays home a lot. And sometimes if he wants to come later, he drives his own car. It's great. You wouldn't think that would be such a big thing, but it is. It is. It is. Wow. What a what a huge weight off your shoulders. It's such a good feeling to just be with someone yes. who trusts you and gets you. You everyone deserves that, but you especially deserve that because you're awesome. Oh. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I love that. So let's keep it moving with our next song. Tell me your number four track. All right. So my number four track. Um, I feel like I may have joined the chat right as you listened to the beginning of it, because I saw you go up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's probably the Otep song. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah. I said, she is having a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Otep so much. So it's Zero by Otep. Uh, so I started listening to Otep when I was in high school because when I just didn't, I don't think I realized that women had like the physical ability to scream. Um, like, the way that like men do in a lot of like hardcore bands. And so I heard her and I was like, this is so cool. So Zero basically starts out and she just like breathes really heavy. She's like, <sighs> and then just screams, I don't give a fuck. And so, and the whole song is just like really hard hitting all the way through. And mm -hmm. for me, that's just my, that's, that's, that's like a perfect angry song or if I want to feel really cool when I'm driving my car you know sometimes if I'm driving up somewhere new and I want to balance out that I'm driving this pastel yellow Chevy Spark I'm like well I guess I'll play my OTEP song you know they'll they'll <laughs> they'll know I've got depth uh but she has uh a ton of great music her Recently, in 2016, I think she put out this album that's called um, Halt Right, I think. And it's just basically, it reads, it reads, because she's probably 40, and it reads a little bit like your, your mom's liberal friend who's just like, well, we can't keep letting Trump get away with this, you know? <laughs> so it's all, it's all, it's all very, like, very overtly politically liberal, but she is a lesbian and like she, that is like, that's her medium to get out how she's feeling about things. So I think it's a little more, uh, it's a little more Gen X in its feel, but I do, mm. 
I do like it still, but no, the, uh, the, I like this album that Zero is on. It's called Generation Doom. Um, and then the songs that came out in like 2007, 2008, 2009, when I was in high school are just very like rage against the machine type of feel. She has a song called smash the control machine. And you're like, as a kid, I was like, yeah, it all is stacked against us. You know? Wow. See, I didn't even know about a lot of female metal artists coming up. Yeah. I, Every time I, I had a good one, oh, it's hard. I had a few friends who wore trench coats. You know what I mean? Like I had my, yeah. my hot topic <laughs> friends because my parents, my parents would pick me up so late that that's who was left over waiting on their parents. Like I had, yeah. <laughs> I had like different friend groups for different parts of the day and there were my goth kid friends who would be waiting by the band hall because the school would make you leave so that they weren't responsible for you. Yeah. So, so like, we would go, go hide in a different part of the school to wait for our parents until five o'clock. Uh, yes. Uh. And the, they, you know, those they introduced me to like My Chemical Romance, which is like a little bit top 40-ish, if we will. Maybe not even really metal, but it was it spoke to me. But it this ca- is, it counts this to is me. A- it counts to me. Teenage I almost she- said teenagers on this list. Teenagers. For my by, by my chemical romance one's like teenagers scare the living shit out of me. Yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great song too. Zero. I I like this. So immediately starting and hearing that, I don't give a fuck. It's so necessary. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to let that off and just, it is really funny though. I'm going to hint on something you just said where you were like, it's very Gen X. Here's the thing. Did you know the oldest millennials are 40? So it's actually a little us. It is a little us. Uh, I mean, I am listening to it. (laughs) The youngest millennials are 26 and the oldest are 40. A generation is 20 years. Which I think wow. is crazy. I'm like, what? Um, which is, it's kind of funny because it's like half of millennial are actual, half of Gen Z are actual teenagers and the other half are like also fellow adults. So it's yeah. interesting. We're, this is, we're the first generations, plural, to have this much intergenerational discourse because we're all on the same media talking to each other. Like I remember yeah. being in high school, I, I wasn't talking to anyone 30 about why they were old. I was just being in high school. <laughs> I also feel like it. We're still in such a same like we don't have, we don't have the same like markers of like adulthood or wealth that people had at thirty when we were in mm-hmm. high school. You know, we're not like oh, let me come to your house to see your newborn. You know, we're like oh, yeah. you're also just sitting at home on TikTok hoping to pay rent, like. Yeah, it, it's, I think that's why they're so mean to us because like, we, they don't know what to think of us because it's like this usual, I mean, also generations are having kids way slower now, you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. like Gen X's parent, a lot of Gen X people were millennial, were, were millennials parents, but not a lot of yeah. millennials are Gen Z's parents. Cause most, like we grew up on 16 oh, and pregnant. Yeah. We stopped having fucking kids. They scared us yeah. out of it and we listened. And now so they're, they're like, like Why aren't you having babies? Because I don't know, because I saw Farah not having a good time. That's it. <laughs> Poor Farah. She is not having a good time. She was supposed to do my podcast and the week that we were emailing her back, like she emailed us. It was an old podcast oh. that we used to have. She emailed us and then her people were like, She's not available. And then I realized she got arrested that week for like shoplifting in Austin. Oh, she goes through sweetheart. it. Um I hope she's okay wherever she's at. <laughs> Taking it back to 2008, 2009. So like you graduate high school in like what, 2009? 
Yeah. Okay, so this is like what you were listening to. You're listening to alternative rock. Were other kids at your school also getting into OTEP or were you just like, no, you have to listen to like where you were standing on the hill alone or did you have friends that were also into it? I think for on OTEP, I was the only one, but people had stopped listening to what I wanted them to listen to in music because I went through that really rough transition of I'm only allowed to listen to Christian and country music. I can listen to whatever I want when I was like a freshman, sophomore in high school. So I went through like an eight month phase where all I listened to were Disney stars covering Disney songs. Um, so I pretty much lost any, I lost any credibility <laughs> that I would have had. So I was like, you guys have to listen to OTEP. And they're like, this is zippity doo all over again. We're not doing this. But people at my school listened to a lot of like Three Days Grace, Breaking Benjamin, Snow Patrol, like, uh, Godsmack, Disturbed. So it's sort of in a similar vein, but very much, it's kind of, I just consider it to be snowboard music, because uh, we mm. mostly, we, we snowboarded a lot, and it's all music that was featured in the, in the film Out Cold, which is like if American Pie was on the side of a mountain. A guy gets a stick caught in a hot tub, like antics, you know. (laughs) So instead of boners in a pie, it's boners in a hot tub. Boners in a hot tub. He he is, and he's just waving people like, "Hey, don't don't come over here." I was like, "No, tell them to come over. You meet, you're gonna lose it. You get (laughs) at this point, sacrifice your pride." Your, your advice is show people your boner in this situation. <laughs> if the alternative is have the whirlpool suck it off. What is this movie? Okay, I need to yeah, look at this movie. It's, it sounds- I don't know how it's aged, but I mean, I'm comparing it to American Pie, so I assume similarly. Uh, yeah, it's called oh, Out so you Cold. Were talk- Literally, that happens in the movie. Someone sticks oh, their boner. Oh, no, not a real person. No, this is in the movie. Oh my god. Okay. So in the movie, someone sticks their boner in the whirlpool of a hot tub because they're curious yes. about it sexually. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it literally is American Pie with a hot I was being facetious and you were like, no. Oh exactly no, I was like, yeah, you get it. No, it's god. Uh, it's an insane yeah, movie. Of trash. On top of like what we said about the objectification of girls, the eating disorder culture. There was also the hypersexualization of boys. The idea that they always had to want to have sex at all times. And that was all they wanted to do every minute of every day. And there was nothing interesting else going on about them in their lives. There was like, there were not fully developed male characters. And oh my God, I, oh, I feel like the crescendo of it all would be movies where there'd be like a funny scene where a female character would like stick a dildo in a guy's ass because that's the great, like, do you remember? Can can you imagine? Yes. Yes. Oh, I have seen Get Him to the Creek. Oh, it happens. And Honestly, I turned off that movie. I said, "This is not okay." And you know what a what a time to be alive. It is so fun to like look at like, oh, okay, a lot of bad stuff was sold to us as funny and as entertaining. Like a lot yeah, of that's so good stuff. And also, a lot of those movies were like very they all they only staffed as background characters like very thin women who'd had really big boob jobs mm. and that was all that was in the background and i was like when is that gonna happen for me because <laughs> it doesn't seem like we're heading that direction uh 
it seems like I I don't know when that's supposed to happen. And I just, it didn't click for me that it was plastic surgery. I was just like, look at all these people. I was like, why, why am I the only one with a stomach? Like why? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, again, whole other podcast, but people at my school used to ask me if I was pregnant all the time just to be mean. Oh, kids suck. Kids <laughs> suck. Also, don't live in a small town if you can help it. That's true. Uh, that's if you true. have you any sway over it. your parents, make them move. <laughs> Bully <laughs> your parents into moving to the city. Kids? I don't make your parents move. That's funny. Make your parents move. Okay. I, I'm like, I love when a podcast introduced me to a new song and I think this is my favorite of the list. And maybe it's because, because okay. I hadn't heard the last three, but this was the one was like, this is something different. So this might be a good, just like bang it out song. It might, you know, it might be a fun. I, I by the yeah. way, I think it's so funny what you talked about, like wanting, like if you're going to drive somewhere and you know, people are going to see you in your car, how do I, what, what first impression do I want to make? And you're like, badass in a pastel yellow car. <laughs> yes. Um, I also, on the other side of that, I had, if there had been six songs on this playlist, I would have included YMCA because I really love that song. By the I, village people. By the village people. It's a, it's, it's a banger. <laughs> so every time I'm driving, sometimes it'll come on in my car and I'm like driving home and like, I don't know. I'm the only white person on my street. And they're like, here she comes. <laughs> Blaring YMCA <laughs> in her jelly bean car, pulling out all these bags of clothes from the thrift store. She's going to try to resell online. Oh, oh that, I, that is very, very funny. I feel like if I heard that on the wrong day, I could have a full on crisis. Because it starts with a question about young man. What do you want to be? I don't know. All right. Yeah. I just want to survive and pay my bills, YFCA. <laughs> I also Village love that speaking. the Trump administration used that in their campaigns because it is a song about having consensual gay sex at the YMCA. <laughs> I can't believe, I don't know why they used it. I guess just because people know it. I don't The Village people sued it them, didn't people they? people stand up. I think so. They were like, stop. Uh, there was, do you see that little tiny SNL skit, sketch about it? Uh, <laughs> yes, I they remember all, it was a part of a weekend update thing. Yeah, they just came out, they're like, stop it. <laughs> so good. Also, I feel like real he, cute. No one musically wanted to be associated with that man whatsoever. No, no except one for did. Three Doors Down. Me and Dylan still joke about it. We're like, oh, what's Three Doors Down doing today? I don't know. <laughs> they planned the inauguration. <laughs> they don't have shit going on. I will say it was it was very funny the level of disrespect Trump was able to aim at people and then still get their respect. Case in point, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania the day the news broke out that he lost. Those people protested and they were like, it, he stole the election. I was like, Erie, Pennsylvania is where Trump went when he said, do you remember this? Do you remember this where he was on the, he was on a podium and he goes, I can't believe I even have to come to places like Erie, Pennsylvania and talk to you people. I shouldn't oh have God. to be here. He like literally in the middle of a speech just got bored and started complaining that he has to go to so many cities to campaign. It should, the campaign should be going better than it is. What the hell am I doing in Erie? <laughs> and they're <laughs> all like, what are you doing here? We love you. 
<laughs> you shouldn't have to be here. We don't want to be here. We're garbage. <laughs> oh, eerie. You're right. Oh, eerie. Okay, so we're almost at the end of our plans. And by the way, I'm absolutely adding YMCA as a as an honorable mention because it means so much Thank to you. you. It's just, I just, so give me track listen. number five and why. So track number five, if I think I think if I had to pick one song to def, to sum me up, I would pick "I Am What I Am" by Gloria Gaynor. It's just it's it starts out. She says, "I am what I am. I don't want praise. I don't want pity." I bang my own drum. Some think it's noise. I think it's pretty. And the whole thing is just, oh, I love it. Just about, so what if you don't like it? I like it. You don't have to because I like myself so much. And it's disco, you know, it's fun. It is. I love Gloria Gaynor. I love disco. Had never heard this song. I like a oh, disservice that yeah. I hadn't heard. I just, I guess it wasn't a big radio hit. And I just, no, that was another one that it. just came up on a, on a, you might like this playlist. And I was like, Oh my God, you were correct. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. Oh, I love that. I think that's so fun. And it's, it's great. Do you feel though, cause you pointed this out with OTEP. Do you feel like this was maybe a calculated, like, I was very skeptical of Taylor Swift when she was like, I love the gays. Hey, gays. You know what I mean? <laughs> or calm yeah. down, whatever the song's oh, oh, my God. Where it was just like Hillary Duff popping up from behind a rack of clothes. Do you know what's mean when you say that's gay? That's how it felt to me. Um, Do you like, feel she, like this was this was maybe Glory Gaynor being like, I have a great gay audience. Here's a song for you. Or what do you think? Um, You know what? If it was, she did it right. Cause it worked for me, <laughs> you know, she did it right. We might just she call right. the podcast that <laughs> she did it right. That would be great. Cause then people will think you're talking about me. <laughs> Which would be really funny if they were like, yeah, every other guest trash. Absolutely. Really trash. Trash. Emily finally yeah. did it right. <laughs> I have to agree with you there. I think, and also too, like that's um that is like a, a conspicuous opinion. But Taylor Swift isn't the same as Gloria Gaynor in the seventies. They're just two different things. And no. like, you know, um, like it's kind of funny. Have you ever heard about like the disco sucks movement and like how internal? Like how have you heard about this? Um, it sounds familiar. Is it kind of that whole that whole thing we were talking about earlier with like pop music getting like too close to r&b where like disco was too black yes exactly disco was too black and too gay and suddenly the urge was to make the mainstream because dis it's not that it was just too black too black too black too gay it was also too mainstream it was becoming too everywhere and yeah. i mean yes there was a great push to include more rock music but i don't think that was not by design that by making the push of the artist that was getting put out by the industry being more grungy white dudes doing rock we pulled it away from that and yeah. I, sometimes sometimes two things can exist at the same time and that may not be your intention but it's what you do you know what I mean by pulling yeah. this this art form that's that's putting these marginalized groups in the front and it's not only just very black very gay very female it's everything yeah. that's not a cishet male a cis het yeah. white male and pulling that out of the forefront and saying that's not what gets to exist. And I mean, we really don't have another, like we don't have another high profile minority art, art form in America until the late 80s, early 90s when hip hop comes out, which hip hop feels at the time very male. 
So yeah. we're, we allow it. It, it goes, it, it, we change. It's just kind of interesting how biases shape what we allow to be good or popular. And I think now, musically, we are at such a cool impasse where people listen to everything. Like I, yes. I, I can't think. Everybody listens to everything now. I used to say I listen to everything but country and techno, and now I like you know I survived that mid two thousands range where David Guetta was on everything. So I can't say I don't listen to techno. <laughs> uh, I can't. I love me some Casey Musgraves and Marin Morris. I can't oh, say I don't listen to yes. country. Like new country is so great. Old country. I, I, I don't know. What some, the, I, I might email you some country recommendations later of like good more, which actually first. Just off the top of my head, if you do, you, do you like Orville Peck at all? Never heard of him. Oh my God, he's so good. He he performs. He goes by the masked cowboy. He performs in a mask with like a long fringe down the front, so nobody knows what his face looks like. He's done collaborations with Trixie Mattel and Shania Twain. It's are you sure he's, he's not see it? I'm positive because he's got real great abs. Not that Sia doesn't, <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, there wasn't anything I was going to say down on that line. I, I wasn't, there, there wasn't a way for me to say that that wasn't rude to see. I don't want to be rude to see it, but uh, he's a, he's a real hot dude uh, or a real hot person. I'm not, I, I'm not a hundred percent certain he identifies just as male, but he's like, he's a hot, he's a hot gay cowboy. Like, and so he's not on the radio because for some reason, Casey Musgraves is not because they're like, can you try a little harder to be Luke Bryan? Uh, but all these big names in country want to collab with him because he's doing what real good old country does, which is here's my character. Here's my point of view. I'm not afraid to put the banjo in it. And I'm not afraid of like just talking about what's actually going on. Like, oh, it's so good. I'll send it to you. He's like a real send deep me all voice. the links. That is yes. whenever people, whenever I say I like country, I'm like, oh, but keep it yeehaw agenda. Keep it gay. Yeah. Keep it yeehaw. Keep keep it glitter. Keep it sequence. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. Like that sounds exactly up my alley. I'm all open to it, but people are open. People are so open to more types of music now. It is not this representation of who you are, and these playlists are always so like yours. I will say yours might be one of the most genre all over the place of anything I've had. We've got metal, mm -hmm. disco, pop. I don't know what you call Nick Kershaw. Um, <laughs> We I have songs that you oh. chose because they speak to you. We have songs that you chose because they're weird. It's a great playlist. Thank you again. Like we're going to wrap up the song, uh, the playlist of your life segment with that. Thank you again for putting that together for me. I appreciate you, Emily. Do you want to stick around for an advice segment real quick? I am ready. Okay. So this week I opened up the Facebook channels and asked people for, I just said straight up advice questions. You don't have to have anything to do with a song, but what's something you'd like advice on? And some of the answers were crazy. Uh, some of them were just like, this is not a good question. I'm not gonna ask this. One of them's an actual math problem. So I learned how much people in my life really respect what I do. Uh, yes. But I, yeah. do have, yeah. I do have a pretty decent question and I'm curious what you think. I think this is interesting. So my friend, Rachel Hall, who's a comedian out of, oh, maybe, oh, it's supposed to be anonymous. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Rachel's great. Rachel's great. She's also super funny and she's also tall. So I think this question comes from that place. Do you think women have got to let go of height preference when it comes to dating? Preferences for height. And also, when does preference become discrimination? Oh, uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go you, first? You can go okay. first. Go for it. So, um, 
I did briefly hook up with a very sweet guy who was the exact same height as me, and it was great. The easiest kiss of my life. No neck pain. Just right there. Um, <laughs> like, it was, it was great. Uh, I think it's hard to let go of that idea of wanting, like, on one hand, aesthetically, it's nice. We're so used to that picture of, like, the guy being taller and or bigger than the girl. Um, mm-hmm. that it feels weird when we don't present that picture when we're in public or when we're in pictures. Um, but there's also like so much of an external, uh, I guess like an, ex- uh, no, what, what I was going to say, um, sorry, that it is nice to f- be like little spooned, you know, and have sort of that same experience even though you're just out and about of being like this person could physically protect me but there's also you know especially if you've had instances of people being maybe abusive to you or just using their size to intimidate you know you might think you might see a person who's much bigger than you and think absolutely not hell no I would like someone who I know I could fight off, you know? And so I feel like, um, I don't think it's discrimination as long as it's not a hard no, just on height. You know, Mm. I think if someone seems great outside of height and you're willing to, you know, at least go out to dinner, you know, or just spend some time and see how it feels. Um, I think if that's something that's really important to you, then that's fine. Um, You just might need to find someone who really goes above and beyond in all the other areas that are really important to you. Um, Because, I don't know, people people like what they like. But also, you're not like less of a woman or less of a man because you're in a dynamic where you're as tall as or taller than the person you're dating. I think everything you said makes a lot, a lot of sense. It's so funny because as I've grown... I've had I've had the privilege of having a microphone in front of my face for probably too much of my life because I know at like 21 and 20 I didn't have the smartest opinions but I was on a morning show so I remember very publicly talking about how short men are crazy and I would never date a short man because they have like an (laughs) ego problem but like (laughs) I realized something else um short men are crazy tall men are lazy so what are you gonna do you know what I mean tall men have too much social capital right a hundred percent a hundred percent. You don't have to like develop a personality. Yes. Yes. They have all of the air quotes problems that hot women have in society, but without any, like <laughs> even more privilege. Tall men are incredibly privileged. And it's really funny because I knew a girl who is five foot one and would never date a guy short, a short guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like not shorter than you, not like four foot. She's like, no, not shorter than six foot. I'm like, girl, stop. Them, them, them five five dudes are for you. That's who they're yeah. for. You still get to look up at them. Like my sister is five ten. She gets. She used to get so mad when she would see short girls with t- tall guys because she's like, "Who am I supposed to date?" Like society has this idea. At least American society has this idea that like the guy is supposed to be bigger than the girl. So it's like as a tall guy, stop snatching up the short people. You know what I mean? And then there's <laughs> you remember the Twitter discourse yeah. about how men like short women because they want to control them like children. It was very. Oh my god! Yes, Rob was like, "All right, stretch." It's it's a little bit of a stretch. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, and women. Also have their own agency. 
they aren't yes. children. They make their own yeah, choices. Don't, don't treat short women like they're children. Um, but I think that letting go of the height pre- preference, especially if you've been someone who hasn't found partnership. And I mean, if you're on dating websites, like I used to use OkCupid, like I was ordering a pizza. I'd be like uh, between between 5'10", although I learned pretty early on that 5'10 is actually 5'8". So mm-hmm. yeah. I should have put six foot. <laughs> Men are so conditioned to lie about their height that like you got to do the lying for them. You've just got to deduct two inches off what they're saying. So I should have put like six foot to six four. Uh, but I would, I would do all of that. I was like height, hair color, like um, all these things, all these specific things. And I would pick men like I was ordering a pizza and I did not find the one that way. I found the one just having fun and making friends and just realized somebody just made me laugh until I want to throw up. And I was like, I love this person. Like being, I didn't care that we're like almost the same height and he'll get so mad if I say that, but like I consider my shoes part of who I am. I've been yeah. told I have a very tall aura. So yeah. I, feel, thank I you. would agree with that. How tall do you think I am? Well, I have, I have, because hmm, I have only seen you with your shoes on. I think if I had to just guess, I would say five eight. I am five three and a half. I got Damn. a big. Yes, I have. I have a tall aura. I come off bigger than I am. I'm larger than life. Anyway, so like I think we're the same height, and he's five ten. So in my head, I'm like, we're not there. He's like, no, we're not. Yeah. Um. Anyways. I think letting go of height preference, I think height preference might be the thing standing in the way of a lot of people's happiness. And it's so in it, but our society has this idea that short people have no reason to live, you know, whatever that guy's saying that's (laughs) all. We have this idea that short people have no value. And I think a lot of people are worried about having short kids. And I just think it's such a, I mean, if we're about, we're about to have a digital world where we make all of our money on Zoom anyway, who cares how tall you are? It's just, letting go of height preference could height preference could be the one thing keeping you from being happy and also like first the first thing that comes to mind is like nicole kidman and keith urban mm-hmm. who are so happy but then before that she was married to tom cruise which was a similar height dynamic and he was terrible so really you can be terrible at any height um yeah. but you can also is leslie mann taller than judd apatow or are they the same height i just know that she's i think tall. she's taller than him and they're so happy, and they have two beautiful superstar children. So you are denying oh, yeah. yourself your superstar funny daughters. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, also, another point for the short dudes, if we would have existed at the, si- the same time, and I know, like, technically we did, but I mean, if we had been the same age and had been in the same circle, I would have let Prince wreck me. I'm just, I'm just saying. There oh, is absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A lot of yeah. short men who know they're short and have no, uh, have no insecurity about it are so freaking sexy. Anybody who like, yes. knows who they are and is, in, is secure in who they are is sexy as hell, no matter how tall they are. So I, I think you and I came to the same conclusion that like the short, like a short height preference is a waste of time, right? I do. Yes. But we are also both people who that's never really been a problem for. Because, like, I'm 5'5", five five, you're 5'3". Five so I feel like maybe our answer would have been different if we had been taller. You know, for us, it's a hypothetical. We're like, obviously, it doesn't matter. We're both married to people taller than us. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We're coming from a place of a privilege being like, so we both agree, the poors need less coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, we are so busy over here. We can't possibly take on the work of another department. I barely had time for my coffee run this morning. So think about that before you come to me with a request. Like, 
Okay, so maybe we are coming from a place of privilege here, uh, but I still, I still believe that having. Okay, I can give an example of this. Having a privilege, like or having a preference that doesn't actually matter to you, but you think it matters because of society, can keep yeah. you from being happy in a lot well, of ways. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I do think we get. I didn't the think right I date answer. someone who drove a Kia Soul. You know, I thought yeah. people would laugh at us. We got that car from the hamster commercial, but you know what? Yeah. We're happy, and we sold the car later. Uh, so <laughs> we got rid of that car. The same thing. Yeah. I'm going to no. talk to someone tall about this and get their their honest answer, and they might be like, "You don't understand. You'll never know what it's like to bump your head on ceilings. You'll never understand." <laughs> This has been so much fun, Emily. I've enjoyed having you on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find more of you or where would you like to be found? I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at mballs with two M's. So E-M-M-B-A-L-L-S. And, you know, don't find me at my home, I would like to say. Uh, But generally, that's where... That's where I can be found. All right. Well, make sure you follow Emily and keep up with her twitching and twitching. <laughs> Using <laughs> Twitch, streaming on Twitch. No, she just twitches on the internet. It's great. She just goes on YouTube great. and has Twitches. Stop. Uh, keep up with her on Twitch, Twitter, stream everywhere. If you are enjoying Rhythm and Bay podcast, make sure you tune in every week. Give us a subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It's how other people find us. It's how I have the courage to keep doing this and not quit. Because when I don't see subscription numbers that look good, it makes me feel bad about myself. And you don't want me to feel bad, do you? Do you? So subscribe, follow us, um, find us on Facebook at rhythmandbaypodcast.com or facebook.com slash rhythmandbaypodcast. Instagram, that's Instagram slash rhythmandbaypodcast. And then on Twitter, it's Bay Rhythm and I messed it up and I cannot fix it. So please follow us on Twitter. It's Bay Rhythm and I would love it if you do that. Today's episode of our Off the Record segment was brought to you by Far Out Magazine, where I sourced our information. And if you're having fun and you think I'm great, Follow Jasmine Ellis Comedy on all the things at Jasmine Ellis Comedy. Uh, As always, have a great day and keep it smooth. Bye.